Welcome to GW Integrative Medicine, the podcast about disease prevention and health promotion from the Office of Integrative Medicine and Health at the George Washington University School of Medicine and Health Sciences. I'm Dr. Lee Frame, Program Director of the Integrative Medicine Program here at GW. And I'm Janet Rodriguez, the Office's Administrative Director. Today we're going to talk with Mar Benner, Certified Energy Medicine Practitioner, Reiki Master, Certified Integrative Reflexologist, and Health Coach. She's the Reiki Director at the GW Hospital and Spiritual Director at the GW Center for Integrative Medicine. Mara has more than 30 years in the healthcare and aging fields. She has helped shape healthcare and aging policy on the state and federal levels, and, but she is now focused on mind-body-spirit connections and our need for whole-person healthcare. Welcome to GW Integrative Medicine, Mara. Hello, and thank you very much for this opportunity to Dr. Frame and also to Janet. I'm so excited to be with you today. Well, we're very excited to have you. What is energy work? So that's a great question. Um, I'm actually trained, as you heard, in ancient healing approaches. And so it's fascinating to me as you look back on these ancient healing techniques, how many of them believe in energy itself. And when we speak of energy, it's talking about life force and the essence that we have within us. So people use different terminology and words for it. It's called chi from China. In India, they call it prana. Here in the United States, we talk about it as energy itself. But regardless of what uh, ancient healing approach you go back and look at, all of them talk about energy itself. And it's so subtle, yet when you begin to work on the subtle energy that's within us, you really begin to understand and relax and also connect in with your intuition and start to help balance out your body in order to get it to a homeostasis um, state to be able to really help with healing uh, and your innate ability to heal. Your background is in gerontology, healthcare, and aging policy. How did you become an energy worker? So that's a great question. I um, was in aging, and I was in healthcare policy, and did that for 30 years. At the same time, I was really on a personal journey. And so I think for me, I really began, first of all, by spiritual. Um, and so it was looking at religious um, offerings and what they thought about healing overall, and went through a two-year seminary program that was both interfaith and interspiritual care. And really, during that seminary program, realized that there is a healing component to all of this. Then I began to start to uh, train in the ancient healing approaches. So went through Reiki training through the GW Center for Integrative Medicine, where I am now as a practitioner, um, learned uh, reflexology. I had the great opportunity to go to China and learn Qigong, which was amazing opportunity to do that. And many of us here in the U.S. know it as Tai Chi, which is a form of Qigong. But that's energy work that's more physical, like yoga. Um, so that was fascinating. And, um, and now have really studied as a certified energy medicine practitioner and also um, do intuitive counseling. And it's a fine connection between energy work and our intuition. Um, we talk about it as maybe physically we talk about it as the autonomic nervous system. And when I see clients, many of the clients that I work with are kind of stuck in what we know as that fight or flight, especially stress. in the D.C. area, right? Mm -hmm. Stress, big stress. 
Um, and we don't even realize it. So our shoulders get tense, we have headaches. Um, but so many people don't realize that they're stuck in that fight or flight. And the way that we work with ancient healing approaches is to help everyone get to that other state of the autonomic nervous system, that rest and digest. And these ancient healing techniques, whether it's yoga from India, the chakra system, that's energy work as well, whether it's uh, the Chinese with meridian work or reflexology or um, acupuncture, um, even shamanic work gets to the same state. So I'm also trained in Lakota shamanic um, healing, um, and just love the Native American tradition of getting back out into nature and helping to kind of ease that um, balance as we get back to rest and digest. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because I know recently there's been a ton of research coming about the health benefits of nature, um, and many practitioners are actually starting to prescribe time in nature to their patients to have that exactly what you're talking about that rest and digest to get back to the the root. And, and the base and the balance that we lose from our daily life. Um, I know in Japan also it's kind of a practice there. They call it uh, forest bathing. It's like, I think it's come up before on the podcast. So you are reiterating things we've talked about previously, which is really interesting. Well, and you know, I talk with um, students and I go out to speak at different organizations about self-care. And the number one response when I ask what it is that people like the most and resonate with the most for their own self-care is being out in nature. I certainly have three young grandkids. I know that when I get them out hiking and out into the forest, they're able to calm down and they feel um, much uh, more kind of engaged. And a word that I use is grounded, but they feel kind of more in place rather than frantic and all out of, out of sorts. So it's really amazing that we have this opportunity to be out in nature, which does balance us out and helps our autonomic nervous system. Yeah, I think forest bathing is kind of very popular, but it's interesting that doctors are prescribing it not only for kids, but for adults as well. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully, um, with the the changes in urban planning, when they're trying to put more emphasis on green space, that will be easier for everyone to participate in that. What are the health benefits of energy work? So it, it gets back to that autonomic nervous system, really. And what I think is fascinating from a whole person perspective is it does work on the physical, the mental, emotional, and spiritual. So when we look at the health benefits, we're looking at, first and foremost, it's a relaxation. So if people are not familiar with subtle energy and how it works within the body, that relaxation state and that feeling of calmness is the first and foremost what they feel. The next part is that I often hear people say that they sleep better. So when I've been in clinical settings or when I've had clients, they definitely say that sleep um, is restored by providing this kind of ability to get into their restful state. Well, and we all know all the benefits of sleep. But yeah. Most people are not getting enough of it. And I think if if people just maybe did a little bit more forest bathing and slept a little better, we could get rid of a lot of the ills that we see in modern uh, modern America, well, mo- modern world, really. Um, sleep is so important. And it's when it's not working, it's really difficult to get it back into that rhythm and to get that restful sleep. So if this is a good tool for that, I could see the value. Yeah, and I, I completely agree. The other part is that we're so stuck in fight or flight. And again, we just don't recognize that. So when you get a moment to kind of 
provide yourself with that restful state, you begin to recognize how much your body is actually craving it. And I think it helps us eat better. Um, We know that on an emotional level, these uh, various techniques, whether it's yoga or cranial sacral work or chakra healing or Reiki, all of these various ancient healing approaches um, help to also kind of provide less anxiety, less depression, helps us to have a sense of balance and well-being within our bodies. And so that's very important. And then spiritually, you start to recognize that there's so much more happening and get interested in exploring that further. And so meditation is a wonderful way of being able to connect in and just kind of have a balanced approach to it's interesting that you bring up meditation because I don't traditionally think of that as energy work, um, but it definitely could be. And and also some of the other energy work techniques could be taking some of the benefits of meditation as well because you're just having that quiet moment. Mm-hmm. Very much so. And when we get a moment to kind of get out of our mind and stop the busyness of our mind, we recognize that we have intuition and can kind of connect in with the greater forces that are out there to be able to really hone in on what what our life's purpose is, what the bigger picture is. And that helps, too, from a heartwarming perspective emotionally, too, to have that compassion resonate as well. So what are the origins of Reiki and how does it work? So Reiki, again, is one form of energy work. This one in particular is from Japan. It's probably one of the newer energy healing modalities. It was established in 1920, but all the other ancient healing approaches have been around for centuries. Um, It was first started by Dr. Asui. And so he was the first one to recognize that there is energy within his body and to how to start to work on it. And he really thought of it first and foremost as a spiritual um, technique and a spiritual connection, and then secondarily healing. So what fascinates me is more of the Eastern tradition, see it as spiritual and then healing. Whereas here in the Western world, it's we see it more as healing and then secondarily spiritual. Oh, that's interesting. And not overly surprising given our emphasis on modalities having some sort of benefit or efficaciousness right. in the West. Right. And so we think, and when I train students, what fascinates me is they want to understand how it works and what to read in order to accomplish understanding Reiki and to be successful at Reiki. And I was the same way. I'm a type A individual. So when I first went through Reiki training, and that was back in the 1990s, I did Reiki 1, 2, and Reiki Master all on one weekend, which is crazy (laughs) now that I think about it. And more importantly, I just didn't understand what was going on and wanted to try to figure this out. Like, what is really happening when you do this? But really what's important is to forget about any of the statistics and data and to instead experience it. And through experiential learning is when you begin to sense and feel it and start to understand it better. Very interesting. Yeah, I, I could see that I'm, I myself am also very type A, uh, and many of my students are as well. And I, I know that our our courses are actually very much set up exactly the opposite of what you just said, right? We're, we're, we're pouring through the literature and we're analyzing why does this study um, poorly set up or why is this study such a gold standard and, and not necessarily focusing as much on the experiential portion. Um, but I do like to think that we get that a little bit when we have the discussions. Um, but I, 
that sort of mindfulness that you get from being present is a little bit difficult to do when you're so focused on facts and figures and data. So I think it's a great point that you're bringing up. Yeah, I really find that the experiential learning is how people begin to understand that subtle energy. So it can be very nuanced for someone who's coming into this and hasn't done any type of energy work. And the more that they actually experience it, so I prefer not to tell them what they'll feel. Everybody feels things different. Energy work, everyone feels and um, really has different experiences with it. And I want them to be able to have that unique healing experience on their own without um, kind of having it predetermined for them. So, yeah, yeah it's that's really interesting. I know I've, I've not done a lot of energy work, but I do yoga. I've done yoga for 20 years, and I know that there's a lot of energy work involved in yoga. And when I first started going to classes where they were talking about how you were going to feel this or you were going to feel that, that made me very uncomfortable. So it's another thing to think about if you're talking to your patients and you're setting up these expectations, then that might actually not resonate with them. Um, and, and letting them just experience it themselves might be a better method. It puts pressure on you, so then you're, of course, what? Stressed. That's right. That's a very good point. We're trying to get you away from that. Yeah, and I I think the other thing for me was I, um, in my previous job and career, had been working on quality standards, and I believe very strongly in quality standards. What I have recognized with working with individual clients is their healing process is very unique. And so it's unique for many reasons. First of all, they experience things very differently. Another component to it is they may not like to meditate. They may not be mm-hmm. able to sit quietly for any period of time. That's me. <laughs> That's why I have to do yoga. Yes. <laughs> I need a moving meditation. Yoga, qigong is what I'm going to get them engaged with. Even learning self-care Reiki, which uses your hands and you have to kind of be involved with it physically, is what I'm going to be encouraging them to do. And so I have to tailor which modalities to the individual for them to be able to have the best experience. And that actually gets to another point that I think is going to become really important in the world of energy healing. There is currently no standardization. So as I mentioned before, I went through Reiki 1, 2, and Master all in one weekend, which is just crazy. For me, it's about ensuring that there is significant understanding of the training that does need to occur for people to have integrity with the energy healing practice and also for there to be some kind of criteria to be able to meet and accomplish. Um, And so I often interview Reiki practitioners and when I interview them, I find that they haven't had enough training Mm -hmm. to be able to meet a clinical standard requirement. I think the United Kingdom has done a much better job of developing standardizations around energy healing, but this is one component that I think is going to be really important for clinical settings. There's got to be kind of a good seal of approval for the practitioner who has undergone this training, so that's one consideration. The second part is the consumer or client who is looking for these services, and it's hard because you know there's no standardization. So I would just encourage us and let the your viewers on the podcast just know that it's important for them to look at the credentialing of the person that they're going to from an energy healing perspective, see if they're with a recognized and reputable organization, check into their training, 
And since I train on how to connect with your intuition, when you meet with that practitioner, do a gut check. Does this feel right? Are they um, talking as if you have bad energy and it's going to take weeks, months to try to, quote unquote, heal you? That's a bad sign. Um, Likewise, if they're charging exorbitant prices, that's Mm. another component that really needs to be looked at. So while I think this field is going to be growing and there's certainly... uh, significant interest in this. I think we have to be um, really judicious about how we look at it from both the training perspective, as well as how clients um, go to different practitioners too. Thank you. That's a very good point, especially if you're a practitioner who's going to be referring your patient out. If you can give them a quick couple of tips on how to find someone who's reputable and you know, you, you make a very good point. Trust your gut. A lot of times the gut check will really will really um, be the best fact check. And if you don't feel comfortable, then you shouldn't be there. Right. Absolutely. Now, a growing number of hospitals and healthcare systems are um, providing patients with energy work, um, or rather healthcare providers who can do energy work. How can healthcare providers integrate energy work into clinical care? Absolutely. So one of the things is um, there's an interest because of the opioid epidemic to start looking at complementary and alternative medicine as an approach to offer non-drug related um, techniques and modalities for the individual. And I would also just like to mention right now, too, that the GW Center for Integrative Medicine that I work with is currently offering on a monthly basis a mind-body approach for chronic pain, chronic illness that happens on the second Wednesday from 6.30 to 8. And so it's an opportunity. It's open every month. But this is a chance to learn different healing modalities and incorporate these non-drug alternatives into your life to live more fully. So I think these um, various approaches like this are going to be very positive. The Joint Commission on Accreditation, Healthcare Accreditation, has now required these non-drug alternatives. The CDC is looking at it. So we're starting to see that governmental agencies are also very interested in having um, various healing modalities adopted. So I think that's very positive. The CDC has come out and said that uh, your first um, therapy should be non-pharmacologic, specifically complementary medicine therapies. So exciting. Yes, that is so exciting. Uh, It's nice to see um, big government organizations recognize the value of integrative medicine and these maybe what we would have called 20 years ago, alternative medicine, we now realize it's not the alternative, it's just part of what good health care is. Mm. Absolutely. And I think for the clinical setting, um, what's being recognized is the opportunity to utilize these services more. So first you have maybe, if you look at a hospital setting, you have patients who have undergone surgery that is a little bit of a shock to the physical body and a Reiki um, approach provide some opportunity for them to relax and get that homeostasis and balance back into their body. So I know that working in clinical settings, it's been reported to us that first and foremost, they feel relaxation, but they also have less anxiety, less depression. They get better sleep overall. And then- This is going to help them heal from the surgery. Yeah, absolutely. 
So what a wonderful opportunity. I know that hospices are adopting this. I personally go to a physical therapy group that's now offering these um, cranial sacral, other healing energy approaches as well. So I think it's beginning to gain momentum as it should. And now that the government's supporting it too, that's wonderful. So my background is in research. So I always want to know where is the research on this? What have we seen in the literature on energy work? So I think what has happened is energy work is starting to gain momentum. So I would say from 2015, so it's pretty new, there's been additional research on reflexology, on Reiki. So it's just beginning. I'm not sure that the studies are yet very vigorous. So that probably needs to happen. It does take time. We have to start at the beginning. Pilot data, baby steps. That's how research does work. Unfortunately, sometimes we just want to leap ahead and get the big giant study, but we have to do it incrementally to really do it right. Yeah, so I'm, I agree. I'm not sure that it's as strenuous as it should be. There are some new studies for Reiki, though, um, and these have been since 2011 and kind of moving forward. Two of the studies look at um, clinicians in particular. One is a study that looks at um, registered nurses, and another study looks at um, mental health workers. Both of these studies had them learn self-care Reiki, and they found out the findings basically were that the burnout period is reduced by them incorporating self-care Reiki. Well, and that's huge because physician burnout is a major issue today. I know we have a whole class on self-care, um, not just because we expect our our students to go out and teach others self-care, but because we know they need it too. Because if they can't take care of their patients, if they don't take care of themselves. I am amazed at that. I think within the healthcare system, we do not do a great job of helping our healthcare workers stay healthy themselves. And so to incorporate nutritious food, to incorporate self-care, relaxation techniques, amazing what could happen if we Absolutely. I totally agree with you. And I think that's part of the reason that when we teach all of our students these different um, lifestyle medicine techniques, nutrition, exercise, we always have a component about themselves. And sometimes I think at the beginning, they feel a little bit uncomfortable because they're not used to that. But then they're starting to realize they need to think of themselves as they would a patient. What would they, when they their patient comes in and they're stressed and they don't have a healthy diet, what would they tell them and try and practice it themselves? I completely agree. So I think this is fantastic for us to, and congratulations to you to be incorporating that at an early stage with so many of the different, I know the uh, New England Journal of Medicine had um, a study of a physician's perspective and how stressed he was, including depression, and that he really had to step back and talk about and think through his own self-care in order to get to a place where he was able to move forward. So congratulations. That's yeah, exciting. Yeah, thank you. And I will have to tip my hat, too, to our founder, Andrew Heyman, and is our current medical director, because he did start this program, and this was all his idea, and I'm just coming here to expand it and hopefully make it a little bit more nutrition-focused. Um, so thank you to Andrew as well. Well, that is all the time we have for today. Mara, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be with you. This is the GW Integrative Medicine Podcast from the GW Office of Integrative Medicine and Health. I'm Dr. Lee Frame. And I'm Janet Rodriguez. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening.